1 Samuel 2. I, I think you made a really good decision coming to church tonight. Amen. And, uh, you know, I was thinking there's, uh, but that's not, that's not the end of the battle. If I can say it that way. You know, uh, some people, well, they got other things they feel like are more, is more important than hearing the Word of God. But you can be around it and you can hear it with these ears and not really get it into your heart. I know people that have been in church all their lives and never just let it affect them. Never really listen and say, you know what, that's, that applies to me. And that's what we're praying, that God would just talk to each one of us in a way that would help us right where we're living. Amen. First Samuel 2, before we read it, let's ask God to help us again. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for, Lord, your word. God, thank you for all these testimonies of your goodness and kindness to us. And Lord, thank you for just everything you're doing in our lives, God. And Lord, we pray that you just touch us tonight with your word, God. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are hungry to, Lord, allow you to just work in us and help us, Lord, to be more than what we need to be, God. Mold us and shape us, God. Put us on the potter's wheel again tonight, Lord. And I pray you just work something special in each one of us, God. We love you. We thank you, Lord. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. says, The child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. There came a man of God. We don't know this guy's name. He just kind of comes out of nowhere, but he's speaking to the priest of that day, Eli. Came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye against my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, and make yourself fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people? God bless you. You can be seated. So, we're going to take some time in these Wednesday night services and work our way through uh, the book of 1 Samuel, probably into 2 Samuel. And there's a lot of just very, very interesting, if not helpful, things that I believe can be very relevant to our lives and a lot of the things that we're dealing with in just day-to-day living. It's amazing how God does that. Last week, we looked at someone named Hannah in the first chapter of this book. Hannah was a woman that had a prayer, had a a burden in her heart and went before God to cry out that she might have a child. And we saw how that can relate to us in this day and age of the burdens that we have in our heart to say, Lord, I want to I want to be more for you. I want to do something for your kingdom. Amen. Now, if you'll remember, Hannah was a godly woman and uh, she was in a pretty rough place in her life. And she went to pray. She went to the temple. She went to the tabernacle to talk to God. And her heart was heavy. She was burdened down. And she knew that God would hear her prayer. But if we re- you remember, those of you that were here, the man that was 
there and uh, things were a little different in that time in the Old Testament. We don't have priests today. But uh, the man who was there that was over the sacrifices was called a priest in the Old Testament. And he was there. And he was not as spiritual as he should have been. In fact, he was backslid. We're going to talk about this man, Eli. If you remember last week, Hannah comes in. She's crying out to God. She's just heavy-hearted, and she's just pouring out. You can see and the emotion just all over her. And Eli sees this woman and says, and, and calls her a drunk. Says, you need to stop. Put away your alcohol. And uh, she so humbly says, you know, I'm. that's not what's going on here. I'm just so heavy-hearted. I... Uh, And uh, see, Eli represents a, a, I I hate to use the word ministry, because ministry means to serve people. Amen. But Eli represents a church leadership, if you will, that is completely self-centered and self-serving, backslid has long since forgot the will of God that it is to be ministry. In fact, as he... God God always sends a warning. God always sends... God God reaches for people. when When they seem like they're too far gone, God's still reaching. When it seems like everything's just completely hopeless, God still cares and He's still reaching. God sends this person that... We don't know anything about him. We don't know his name. We, we don't know uh, his background. But, but God just speaks into this man and says, I want you to go talk to Eli. He's supposed to be my servant. He's supposed to be blessing people and helping people and, and, and strengthening people. He's supposed to be a minister, a servant, a shepherd, if you will. But he's making himself, it says, fat on the chiefest of offerings. See, this messed up situation that was going on in that day. Eli, his family was involved in what was supposed to be the ministry. And uh, they were just carnal. They were they didn't care about people. There was a a uh, practice that they had when they would offer their sacrifices on the altar, that they would burn the fat off of these sacrifices, and, and, and that fat was to belong to God, and then after that was done, uh, there was a, a way that those priests, they, they needed to eat too, that was their job, and, and they would reach in and pull out something after that was all given to God, and the, the, the sons of Eli would, would reach in early, they, they, they liked the flavor of that fat. And uh, people would say, don't do that. That belongs to God. And they, they'd tell them, just, just keep quiet. We, we're going to take what we want. They were bullies that were more concerned with, with uh, their bellies, what they wanted, rather than God or God's people. Not only were they going through the motions of the sacrifices to God selfishly, but Eli must have been enjoying some of that as well. Bible says, you know, we can see where Eli kind of almost kind of slaps him on the on the on the hand a little bit and says something to him. But he should have been man enough to say, hey, this stops today. Because not only were they messing around with what was supposed to be offered to God, but it talks about their their lewdness, their their. 
their sexual immorality and they were sleeping with women right there by the by the church door it says you say that's that's filthy that's nasty and you'd be surprised what's going on in the land today amen it it it's so sad that today so many people just don't care enough to take notice of the messed up spiritual situation so many are in today. And Eli represents that, that environment that is a self-serving church. Talked to somebody here recently that had been visiting for a while and, and they said, you know what, I was invited uh, with some of my friends to a church and I realized so quickly that the guy that was inviting us that I thought was trying to help me got some kind of status and, and credibility in that church. They're bringing people patted him on the back. Wow, you're really something. And here I was, I just was kind of a, a feather in his cap rather than somebody that they really cared about trying to help. And uh, more and more, I I don't like it. I'm, I, I don't want to sound judgmental in any way, but you'll see me, chapters and chapters in this Bible about how God has called the church to, to be servants, to, to care about people that are hurting. We preached about it Sunday night, about a broken world and broken people. And we need to be more than just those that can point a finger and point out the problem and the sin. But somebody that can say, hey, I can lead you to the God that helped me. I can give you the hope that God gave me. Amen. It's, it, you know, uh, I guess they said uh, Harry Truman had a little sign on his desk said the buck stops here and i'll tell you the 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 responsibility falls squarely on the shoulders of ministry for those to stand up and say hey this has got to be god's house amen this isn't about me this isn't about looking at, at we're, we we all just need jesus amen it, it's not about my status it's not about my my position it's about god amen that He gets the glory, that He is exalted, that, that we come to Him. Amen. When we pray for the sick, we obey the Word of God, but He's the healer. Amen. When we come to the house of God, hey, thank God for the preaching, but the Holy Ghost is the preacher. Amen. And without Him, we're nothing. People have gotten so stuck on themselves. Help us, Lord. And church has become self-serving. It's become more about, uh, I don't understand, but I guess I do. It's just so hard for me sometimes when you see the world in such a mess and people so hurting and people so, so just full of despair and problems and troubles and chains in their lives. And Jesus has the answer. Jesus has what we need. We can't afford to play games as some kind of ego trip. Amen. We see so much of today. I, uh, I get recommended a lot of things, different books that are recommended to me, different uh, uh, podcasts and, and sermons online and, and different things. And, and so much of what I see is just such a watered-down, powerless interpretation of, uh, of just a self-help kind of feel-good message rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ. People have become watered things down so much because they're so afraid to offend somebody. But can I tell you, when people hear the truth, 
Amen. There is a risk, I know, that you might hurt somebody's feelings. But, you know, Jesus loved people enough to tell them, hey, this is the way you need to walk in it. Amen. This is the way it is. And you're going to have to turn away from sin and turn to God. It'll be the best thing you ever did. See, those things are binding you. It's not, so, it's not your friend that enables you to go on in self-destructive behavior. It's not a friend that sees you hurting and knows the remedy of that and tells you a lie that makes you feel better about it. Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. Help us, God. This is kind of what Eli and his sons and the ministry at that time, the people of God were... We're in a bad place. Eli cared more about his own wallet, cared more about his own uh, income, cared more about his own reputation than he did people. You know, you'll see it. You know, you no no parent wants wants to hurt their children's feelings, doesn't want to be the bad guy. But you know, when you say, "Hey, this we're gonna go to bed at a certain time tonight," Amen. You're gonna. You're not gonna. Oh, maybe uh, you know those. Those. I want to know who you're running around with. Yeah. Amen. Some of these things that 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 used to be just just uh, common sense, right? But now we want to be. We, we want to be buddies. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, you know. And that's the pre. That's the ministry today. Help me. I guess I cringe when I even use that word in that way because it's not serving anybody but their own egos. It's not building God's kingdom. It's building their kingdom. Look, what it says in Ezekiel, this whole chapter and many others like it, Ezekiel 34, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do not feed them, that, that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and you clothe you with wool. Hey, you're doing pretty good, aren't you? You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. And it goes on in that whole chapter. You can read it, but let me just suffice to say, God's got a ministry that will help people, disciple people, help them through their troubles, help them learn how to, how to go on. we got too many people that are saying, look at me, I'm the healer, I'm the preacher, I'm the man of God, I'm the one that hears from God. But we ought to be helping you have that walk with God. The Bible talks about the ministry, the pastors, the evangelists, the prophets, the, the apostles, the teachers in Ephesians. talks about them perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry. Feeding the flock that they can grow, that, they can, that you can hear from God, that you can have victory. There are churches full of people still depressed, still addicted, still bound in chains of sin, not free, not having victory. When people get around real joy, real peace, real genuine, authentic love, and they say, I, 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 I don't see it hardly ever anymore. Why not? The Bible says the prophets prophesy lies, and the people love to have it so. I, I told you, I hear, I, I hear so, so many things recommended to me, and I, I read things or I listen to things like, so weak, so, so watered down, no challenge, no, no real truth of the Word of God. Help us, Lord. I tell you what happened back in this day, and God was working in it. There was Eli, and the man of God came to him and said, I see what you're doing. 
I see what you do, and I see how this is all about you. It's not about my people. You don't care about souls. You don't care about the hurting. You don't care about those that I put you over. And, and he just goes on his way. But there came a battle. The Philistines came into town. Philistines started attacking them. And they started winning. See, God's people ought to be losers. They ought to be winners. God's people with God, he said, he said, if God be for you, who could be against you? Amen. But God's people were losing because God wasn't for their sins. So rather, because there can't be power without repentance. You don't have authority over the enemy. You don't have victory in your life when sin still has you on the ground. And instead of crying out to God, somebody got the idea, hey, we're going to go in and get the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to get the Ark and we're going to bring that out in front of us. We're going to shout and we're going to put on a show. Hey, I believe in shouting. Hey, I, I believe in dancing. I believe in having a good time in God. But they needed to get things right with God. Hold on, there's something here for us tonight. The Bible says in 1 Samuel, during this battle, and I'm just kind of trying to keep it short for sake of time, but 1 Samuel 4, verse 5 says, the ark of the, they, When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. They get this idea, we're going to bring the ark out. This is representing our God that leads us in battle. But can I tell you, they weren't in a place to have power with God. The Bible says it shook up the enemy for a little while. Philistines heard this shout and heard this rejoicing. Somebody, they, they only understood their idol worshiping. So they said, man, they brought their gods out here. We heard what their gods did to the Egyptians. And they started getting scared. But somebody said, hey, we need to quit ourselves like men and go out there and fight. And, and uh, what ended up happening, hear me now, rather than their shouting and their carrying the ark out there in front of the battle, bringing victory, the Philistines beat them. The Philistines took the ark from them. The Philistines killed the Eli's sons who were the ones who were really in all that immorality and sin. And when the news got back to their dad, when they said, hey, what's going on in the battle? They said, your sons are dead. And they took the Ark of the Covenant. The man falls back in his chair and the weight of his body comes down on his neck and he breaks his neck and he dies. Because there's no power in a shout of somebody who doesn't have a walk with God. There's no power in the excitement and the, and the, the pumping up of, of emotion without real, true repentance. Amen? And you'll see later on, if you go down to... Turn back to 1 Samuel 7. Stay with me. 1 Samuel 7. That little boy that Hannah had now. is now the prophet, the spiritual leader in Israel. And look what it says in 
1 Samuel 7, verse 3, And Samuel spake unto the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtoreth and serve the Lord only. That's how He got victory. They turned their hearts back to God. This messed up, mixed up spiritual situation that the people of God were in, they needed, they needed a real heart of God. They needed real leadership that was going to say, hey, listen, God's the one that is, brings us victory. And if we want to see victory in our lives, we're going to have to turn back to Him. There's sometimes you got to look in your life and you got to say, you know what? My spiritual situation is so messed up. I, I, I really don't. Sometimes it's hard to hear the truth. Sometimes it's hard for, for somebody to really get to church and hear somebody say, you know what? I know you're going through a lot, but right now what you really need is to turn your heart back to God. It takes somebody that really cares about you to tell you the truth. Take somebody that really loves you enough to say, hey, I don't want to try to enable you to keep on going. Hey, maybe if we get a song everybody likes, maybe we get a good beat. Maybe we can get some, some something to choreographed in this house and get something really exciting, put on a skit or something, you know, and really get people's attention. And Samuel said, you know what we need? We need to get God's attention. We need to turn away from some of the things that we've allowed in our lives that we know right well. Hey, I'm going to tell you, somebody here today, you don't understand everything. Sometimes you have a lot of questions. Sometimes you look at things that I'm not sure, I'm not sure about that. But, you know, don't let that distract you from what you know. You need to just say, God, I'm sorry. I haven't been walking with you. The kind of messed up, self-serving leadership. I've run into too many people that have been in church for years. Just being patted on the back saying, you're all right. You'll be fine. God loves you just the way you are. God does love you. But He loves you enough to start taking the things out of your life that are hurting you. The things that are in your life that you're hurting yourself with. Because you're going to find out like I had to find out. We can be our own worst enemy so often. This Bible tells us, you know, Jesus didn't come. I, I know what a lot of people see in, 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 their, uh, uh, in their movies, in their miniseries, and what Jesus was like. But you, you start reading your Bible and find out He didn't beat around the bush. He loved people, but He loved them enough to tell them, Hey, hey God, you're going to be healed today, but you go and sin no more unless the worst thing come upon you. He'd tell people to turn away from sin. Because that's a real culprit. He didn't always do it in a way that was comfortable for people. Some of the illustrations, some of the sermons that he was speaking to them, sometimes they'd walk out the door on him. Sometimes they, I, I, that's not something I want to hear. Amen? He had looked at his own disciples one day and said, you're going to leave too? They said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. 
When he talked about sin, uh, to us it was no big deal, you know, talk about being in a hog pen. But all oh, to those Jews, that was, that was something foul. That was something abominable to them. To be even associated with a hog. What a filthy thing. What a vile thing. And he talked about a, a boy that went out of his father's house and ended up in the hog pen looking at what they were eating, saying, I, I'm, I feel like that'd be a good meal for me. Amen. When he talked about how to love your neighbor and forgive your neighbor, he started talking about a Samaritan. A man that was hated for, for, for his nationality. Uh, something that was so racially charged at that time. To talk about a Samaritan. Man, the Gentiles were like dogs, but Samaritans were like devils to those religious Jews. But he said, you know what? You know that Samaritan? How he loved, cared about him and helped him and, 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 and paid the way for him and poured in the oil and the wine and, and, and put him on his own animal. You'd be just like that one. He challenged them. Made him uncomfortable. Amen. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to realize, hey, I come to church, I want to be encouraged. And we find out, hey, wait a minute, I need to turn away from my sin. I want to be told it's going to be all right. I want to be told God loves me no matter what. He does love you no matter what. But He sees you in your situation and He wants to address the heart of it, the root of it. It's an ugly story, you might say. Spiritual leaders full of corruption, full of scandal, caring only about themselves, not really caring about people. And then they'd, they meet a horrible end. But what God was doing in that situation was he, was he was getting ready for a change. God had in His heart for His people. And He has a plan in His heart for you today. He's tired of seeing His people put down and not helped. Tired of seeing His people used in some kind of political system rather than a spiritual ministry that can help them, that can build them up and disciple them. Tired of seeing His people put down and never really strengthened spiritually. And He had a plan of a Samuel. Just a young man at that time. But He said, I've got my eye on him. He's going to take the place of Eli. He's going to take the place of his sons. And he's going to bring a revival. He's going to bring a time of, of building. And he's going to change things for good. God's got a plan for your life. God sees your spiritual situation and, and the hurt that you've been through. I think Sister Katie sang it in one of the songs. I don't recall just exactly all the words to it, but about how sometimes it's not fair. Sometimes the things you've dealt with, sometimes the things that you've been through, and it's not fair. It wasn't fair for Hannah to come to church in, in the first chapter with a burden and, and be accused of being a drunk. Amen. Maybe you've been misjudged. Maybe people have figured out, think, thought they had you figured out. Amen. Maybe they looked at you and said, hey, I know all about you, and they know nothing about you. But listen, God's got His eyes on you. God sees your situation and sees what you've been through. And although there's been a lot of hurt and there's been a lot of uh, bad things done in the name even of God sometimes, just because they're a preacher, just because they're a Sunday school teacher, just because they're a song leader, but they're more about themselves. Amen. 
Oh, we're living in a day. People are just so, so full of themselves. We need to be full of Jesus. Amen. I don't need to hear your title and all your credentials. I just want to hear about the God that can help me. Amen. I, I don't need to hear all the uh, all, all the ways you think you're so anointed. I just need to hear that there's hope for me and tell, help me. Tell me the truth. Amen. Tell me what I need to do to get right. Tell me what I need to turn away from and what I need to turn toward. Amen. That's what they needed for victory. There's no power. I don't care how long you've been in church, how good your intentions are. There's no power over the things that are holding you down without a clear path to the cross. Without a real experience of repentance, Jesus said to the church of that day, if you don't repent, you're going to end up just like all those you feel comfortable pointing a finger at. Amen. If you don't repent, you will likewise perish. Repentance means I'm tired of going the same direction. And always failing, always feeling empty, never really getting the help I need. I know it's used over and over and over again. I've used it many times how it's been said the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again expecting this time it's going to work. This time it's going to be different. I'm going to keep on trying. Hey, try Jesus. Try real repentance where you surrender fully to him. My life is 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 needs help, God. My life is empty without you. I'm not saying you're you're a horrible person. I'm sure there's many other people worse than you. But the bottom line is, that's not what this is about. It's about needing a Savior. It's about understanding that there is a real Savior that cares about you. In the midst of so many bad examples of ministry, bad examples of preachers, bad examples of churches, there is a God that cares about you. Amen. There is a real... They've been trying to to counterfeit Him forever, but there is a God that sees your situation, sees the mess that you are in and all the confusion of people who have called themselves Christians have put on you, and He's going to shine a light in you and say, hey, here is the way. Hallelujah. God's so good. Real, real leadership will love you enough to tell you the truth. And that's, that's what God was doing. God, was, God had a man named Samuel already prepared. And though you can look at your life and see all the situations that you say, I don't understand, where were you, God? I don't understand his timing. I don't understand why it took so long, but I'll tell you, all along, he had a time frame where Samuel was going to step in and say, now's the time for revival. Now's the time for a change. Now's the time for the reality of what God really wants in your life. Jeremiah, the third chapter. Jeremiah 3, in the midst of so much, so many rebukes for pastors and shepherds and Jeremiah 3, verse 15. He says, I'll give you pastors according to my own heart. It's not about who's standing in the pulpit. It's it's about the heart of God. It's about representing it right. It's about God's real plan. 
It's about a walk with God. That day by day, that it's like we've already said, it's not always easy. You gotta get battles. But you know the exciting thing about it? I was able to share with a brother here recently, and I believe it. It's not just words. It's not just something that people tell you. But the battles you're going through, God's got a plan even in that. That as you learn to overcome, as you learn what it means to 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 get victory in some of those battles. You know, in the past, in your life, dealing with situations and circumstances that were difficult, you 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 relied on on maybe maybe alcohol, maybe drugs, maybe some other way to just escape. But now God's saying, I'm going to give, put something inside of you that's my strength. And you're going to learn how to lean on me. You're going to learn how to trust me. You're going to learn how to grow in your battles. Not just survive, but grow in a way that you can look back and say, you know what, I, I wouldn't have chose to go through that. But what I, what I learned and what I gained because of it, God, I can see you're working in my life. And not only that, be able to take that knowledge and that that wisdom that God starts working in you and be able to help somebody with it. Be able to minister. Be able to be part of the help. Be somebody that knows what it's like. Somebody that can care. Somebody that can have the heart of God in them. Hallelujah. Because like I said, the, the, the ministry... I'm not going to turn to it right now, but in the book of Ephesians, it talks about the pastors, evangelists, and prophets, and apostles, and teachers, the ministry there, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. See, God's usually going to use you. There's somebody in this world that you're going to shine the light to and say, hey, you can be free. Amen. Hey, you can have victory. Hey, there is more. You've been let down by a religious system. You've been let down and been told you can be free, but inside you know you're still bound. You know you're still not what you need to be. But God can do it in you. Amen. There's a real change in you. Pastors, after, according to mine own heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. How many times, maybe we've, some of us have been in this situation, how many times have you ran into somebody and say, well, uh, they've been in church their whole lives. What do you, why, do you, why do you believe so and so? I don't know. Well, why do you do it that way? I don't know. I've had people come around all the time, well, I'm not really so comfortable with this. Well, why don't you ask what the Bible talks about says, amen? To find out why. Well, I, we never did it that way. Why not? I don't know. Well, why, why do you do it that way? Well, let's find out what the Bible says. Let's find out what Jesus said. Let's find out what the truth is all about. Amen. Let's forget about the religious traditions and get into the Word of God. Amen. But so many people, they don't have that knowledge. They don't have that wisdom because they're not, hey, I don't want anybody here to ever just take my word for it. I don't want anybody to say, well, I just trust you. And if you say it's right, I don't know. You need to learn this. You need to know this. It needs to be a part of you that you can stand on that and, and, and love living for God. A real, real ministry will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's God's heart. See, God's. God cares about the situation you're in. And like, let me say it again in closing. He sees... The questions, the confusion, the hurt of a mixed up, messed up, spiritual mess of a generation. 
sees people that have been hurt, been abused, been treated horribly in churches. Or have been come and just just told a a line to make them feel good, but never really come to an altar of repentance. Never really just surrender fully to God. Never realize what it means to turn away from sin. What it means to fully surrender your life to God. See it over and over again to so many. Never heard one message repenting your sins. Turn away from sin. Turn away from it. But you'll never have victory when you're trying to walk with God and still carry your sin. You'll never have victory in your life until you first identify, Hey God, I'm sorry for my sins. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Can we bow our heads? I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the choices I've made, God. It's the first step, really. When you start believing there is a God, you've got to realize that we've all sinned. Nobody here is telling you you're worse than anybody else. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. But there's a God that's calling us to turn Bible says old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. A self-serving, proud leadership won't tell you the truth. They just want to build a crowd, fill those offering plates. What about sin? What about Scandal. What about corruption in the church? Hey, just let's not ripple the waters. Let's not cause any trouble. Listen to me. Sin's not your friend. God's got something better for you. God's got something better for you. You've done the best you could to this point on, but God's trying to show you that there's a better way. He's got a Samuel for you. He's got a difference. He's got a change in your spiritual environment. It's going to take you in a better direction. People are hurting in this generation. Don't you see it? Oh, God, help us to see it. People that are broken. People that are that have been let down. Disappointed by those that should have had their best interests in mind. But oh, there's a God that cares about you. There's a God that loves you and and can set you free and put something inside of you that gives you hope. That give like some of these that testified tonight of that there's a joy in you now. There's a there's a getting up in the morning and realizing my life, God is blessed and it just keeps getting better because of God. It's not always easy, but thank God I'm on the right path. Oh, come on, let's find a place to pray. I know there's a lot of a fake and phony, a lot of pride and arrogance. But there's a God that cares about you. There's a God that's real. You cannot There's a real experience with God. Lord, in Jesus' name, help us. Your first step is just to call on Him. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for an old life. I'm sorry for my own way. I need You to help me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past, God, and change my life. 
let that be your prayer. It's not repeating it after a preacher. It's not joining a church. It's true repentance. That means I'm sorry for an old life. And Lord, I'm asking you for change. You cannot understand. You've got questions. I understand. You don't understand at all. That's that's all right. Don't talk yourself out of it. Just come to God with all you do know and surrender to Him. There's joy for you. There's victory for you. There's a change that's coming. There's a change that's coming. Hallelujah. Loved ones, family members, some of you here today that have had such a hard time just trying to find God because of all the confusion, all the junk you've seen online, all the people that are just playing games and calling it God, calling it Christianity. But there's a real God of the Bible that gives life. Jesus paid the price for you. Jesus cares about you enough to not only die on that cross for you, but He's going to break through all that mess that you've seen in your life, all the problems, the spiritual Eli's. And he's going to bring a change. I wonder if we could just reach out to Him tonight. Lord, I need that. I need that. I need clarity. I need, Lord, You to help me to to learn, to grow, to be more of what I ought to be. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. God told Solomon, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, we would humble ourselves. It takes humility. It takes laying aside our pride and saying, God, I need you right now. He said if you'd humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, he'd bring that change. He'd heal the land. Oh, it's time. It's time to humble ourselves and pray. Turn from sin. Turn to God. He'll forgive you. He'll show you mercy. He'll cleanse your heart. And it'll be a process. Oh, you're not going to be perfect in a day. But God's going to start cleansing your heart. He'll fill you with His power. He'll wash you and make you clean. He'll start changing, like our brother said tonight, how you think and how you respond to some of the things in your life that always get you down. He's that kind of God. Changes here. A day of change, a day of revival, a day of repentance is here. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for each one here today. Lord, you know the hurt that they've been through. You know the confusion and the the problems, Lord, that they've seen. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, break through all the lies, break through all the the big business of church today, God, and help us to see, Lord, that there is a God in heaven that cares about us. 
and that has made a way that we can be cleansed, we can be washed, and we can be made new. It's more than just a religious experience. It's knowing you and walking with you. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, more than ever before to see the need around us, to recognize people have been so deceived, people have been so, Lord, so used and abused in the name of religion. And help us, Lord, to shine a light of your truth, your good news, Lord, into the highways and the hedges. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for each one today here, Lord, that you would just work in our hearts and help us, Lord. I pray to sincerely, sincerely just surrender our lives to you. God, you know every battle, you know every trial, you know the burdens here. Show yourself strong in our lives and bring victory. Hallelujah. We love you for it, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God sees where you are. God sees the battle you're fighting. God sees all the things that have worked against His will in your life. But He's always been there drawing you, dealing with you, letting Him you know. He's got... He cares about you. He's bigger than everything working against you. He's bigger than every battle, every lie. He's bigger than every doubt and every fear and every sin. He cares about you. There's nothing that He can't just wash away and give you better. Oh, hallelujah. Let's all stand again. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You care so much about us, Lord. Lord, that You would even through the battles, through the trials, have a plan to bring us out into greater. We love you so much, God. I pray now that you just keep your hand upon each one. Shine your light through us, God, I pray, in this dark world. And God, use us for your glory. Bless each one, I pray now, Lord. Keep us safe as we travel. And God, we give you all the thanks and all the praise. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you, church.